Sports. It is your sports pod hookup. I'm your host, Bobby Adcock. It is episode 44. It's the week five CFB DFS night slate. Little six game board. Let's jump in. Okay, welcome in one and all. Let's start with the first game, Arkansas Razorbacks at Mississippi State. And this was the big story from last week and maybe the story of all in college football. It is the Mike Leach era. It opened with a bang at LSU last week. And, um, you know, I messaged some of my friends. We were all watching. I just said, uh, I'll just say it again here to, to this group is that in one game, this guy has revolutionized a program and made them relevant in the conference. And they may not go on to win titles, but there's something there now. There's something to be excited about. There's juice. And coming from a person who is a Michigan State fan, um, I've, I've said this before, but that program is just completely eroded into nothing now, complete irrelevance in their conference. And I, I'm, I'm excited for Mel Tucker era. I hope he, um, I hope the best for him. But he is walking into a dumpster fire, and there is no juice, no excitement, nothing. No players I can be excited about. And it's just uh, I, would, I would kill for something like Mike Leach um, at that program. So uh, I don't know anyone from Starkville, but uh, if you're out there, good for you, and uh, you have a good reason to be excited. So uh, look, let's talk about this game. Mississippi State's minus 17, over under 69. And I also wanna talk about kind of an overall approach with these smaller contests. When you only have a few games, it's very important to target the right party. Um, you know, for example, we'll talk about Georgia Auburn coming up, but their total in game script is very low, and it's almost like, do I really even want to mess around in that game? And I think the thing is here, we have about three candidates that are are good games and good teams to target. There's three teams that are projected to be in the 40s on offense, and that's Mississippi State, UCF, and Clemson. So overall, in general, you you really have to make an effort to get these guys in as many lines as possible. You almost don't have a choice. And it's about that kind of supply side economics where there's only a specific amount of points supplied for each slate. And it changes depending on which teams are involved. And if you don't play the right games, you're probably not going to get in that cash line. It's going to be much more difficult. So it's almost by almost by default you have no choice. You have to play these games because this is where the points and the high supply is. So um, I've hammered that home. I think you understand. Let's just talk about kind of some targets in um, Mississippi State here. So the value, I think, um, on the Arkansas side of the ball, if there is any. I'm not so sure on this whole entire offense with Felipe Franks at quarterback. He's just never been a very effective passer, which is obviously a very uh, big part of being a quarterback. So um, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I can trust anybody, um, even though this is, I think, a, a solid matchup and where they should be able to move the ball fairly well against Mississippi State, who really just wants to, you know, they had that Mike Leach mentality now, the air raid offense, and they're just going to try to outscore everybody. So I think it's a good opportunity, but 
I don't know that I trust Franks to take advantage. And um, I'm just mostly out on Arkansas. Maybe Trey Knox or Mike Woods based on their price being as low as it is. But look, they had 280 total yards uh, against Georgia on offense. And um, a lot of that came on like one like 50-yard play. I just, I'd rather shop elsewhere. So let's talk about um, Mississippi State. Obviously, Kylan Hill, Osiris Mitchell, uh, quarterback, whatever is it, KJ Costello. Um, I I don't know if my thumbs will allow me to uh, say, set a lineup without Kylan Hill. I just have a lot of FOMO when I look at his name. It's almost like I don't even care what the price is. Um, I, I feel like in certain slates that are small like this, it's almost like price doesn't matter. You just have to get certain guys in your lineups in order to be competitive. So Kylan Hill is one of those guys to me. Obviously, um, Osiris Mitchell is the top wide receiver in the offense and I think has a threat to be maybe one of the top uh, fantasy receivers in all of football for this season. And then the volume guys from week one were Javante Payton and Austin Williams. Also, uh, Terrell Shavers had two catches and a 31-yard touchdown. So I would prefer to target volume guys like Austin Williams with the low price High floors. I think he had like a seven catch game. Uh, a lot of screens, a lot of intermediate uh, possession catches. So I like his price a lot. The rest is just going to come down to who gets the touchdowns and game flow every week for this team. And that's kind of a bit of a guessing game. So I, I like the Williams play here. And uh, it's pretty straightforward. You just, yeah, you got to probably, there's a couple other teams in here I think that you can do this with, but Mississippi State's definitely one of them to target in this slate for obvious reasons. Let's move on to Virginia at Clemson. Clemson is minus 28 and a half, over under 55. We are out on Virginia. We have a game script projection of like 42 to 13-ish. Look, when you have that, they they may not score. So it's just really tough to um, play anyone, even if they have some value or have a decent price. When a teammate not even score, I just, I'm not interested. So... Uh, also, a reminder on just the, the Clemson game flow aspect. Um, probably good for four scores. I don't know that this is necessarily a game where their starters don't play in the last quarter, but it's always a possibility with them and it's something to be aware of when you're playing. I do like Frank Ladson Jr. at wide receiver at 5,100. I think that's a really solid value at that position for the slate. Um, he had two touchdowns in their last game. And the rest is fairly straightforward for Clemson. Um, yeah, Travis Etienne and... Um, What's his nuts? Uh, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, they're good at football. Uh, You want them in there. So let's just get out of here and let's go on to Oklahoma at Iowa State. Speaking of game flow risk, um, a lot of times with Oklahoma, uh, whether it's this season or in past seasons, you run that risk where um, it's almost like you you get a good one half of them sometimes. So this is a different time. They're minus seven and a half. Over under is 63. So you know there's going to be a um, fairly relatively high scoring close game here. And you're going to get four quarters of sooner action. So that's always good news. And I think you can deploy these guys confidently as well. Um, I, as always, I, I have kind of have a policy now. I'm out on Oklahoma running backs. Maybe Seth McGowan if I had to choose one. But um, as I've set, talked about in the past, it's just. We don't know what the goal line offense is going to look like. And a lot of times in the past years with uh, Jalen Hurts, the quarterback, like a Sam Ellinger, they just become kind of the the de facto goal line back. So 
don't really like paying for these running backs in this offense, even though it's a very high-scoring one. On the wide receiver side, uh, somewhat a guessing game in terms of volume. Pecking order is still kind of working itself out, even though they had a kind of a, a normal-type game flow against Kansas State. Rambo's price is a bit of a mistake here. I, I think he needs to be around 7,500 week to week. He's just that explosive and has all the big playability and is likely going to turn out to be the number one receiver in this offense. So um, I think that's a good place to take advantage here this week. The rest of the price are pretty fair, um, and I think they're going to be mostly touchdown dependent, um, at least moving forward for now week to week, just because we haven't really worked out a an established pecking order, really. And we don't know really who um, Spencer Radler prefers to trust. So that's going to have time to work itself out. The one guy I did want to mention that I didn't talk about last week was UCLA graduate transfer Theo Howard. He's kind of that OW. Is he a receiver? Is he a running back? Who knows? All I do know is he can make house calls from anywhere on the field and is a big yak guy. Yards after the catch. Um, he was explosive at UCLA. He was um, just a very good receiving running back and had tons of tons of big plays and um, tons of big performances where he, and I think at 4,200, uh, he has a good chance to outperform his price in one play. So if you're looking for that candidate in that range who can maybe only get maybe five, six touches and uh, really do a lot of damage, I think he's a really good candidate. I would be surprised, actually, if we didn't see him used more just because of uh, his explosiveness as a pass catcher. So uh, something to consider there. On the Iowa State side, uh, yeah, Brees Hall, he's good. You uh, want him in your lineups. He's You can see his price is where it is. The other thing is the Tariq Milton uh, wide receiver and what his status will be for Iowa State and what that impact will be on Xavier Hutchinson, and I, who I've talked about in the past and I do like if Tariq Milton is out especially. He's around 5,400, so I think he's a very good value play here on this slate. And really, uh, who I talked about all in week two, I believe it was, was tight end Charlie Kohler is now back from injury. He had a ho-hum five catch, like 20-some yards, game against but he's he's a really um solid floor price guy tight end in this offense and someone that brock purdy has relied on uh in the past a lot so i think he's a really uh he's someone i'm probably going to target as a nice little building block piece in my lineups let's get out of this game and go to tulsa at ucf ucf minus 21 over under of 70 and here's where i think if you don't want to pay up for Mississippi State, I think this is a great pivot. Um, they have been phenomenal on offense, and I don't know what week it was, but it was before their first game where I discussed the Daryl Mack Jr. effect from last year where they were struggling a bit in the red zone and on the goal line. So Josh Heupel was putting him in and doing some uh, goal line running plays and having him be this run threat on the goal line in place of Dylan Gabriel. So what the effect was for DFS purposes is it just took the ceiling a bit or capped it a bit for Gabriel and the rest of the guys if you're trying to go double ups on stacks to the wide receivers or the running backs. It just was like, well, I mean, how do I play these guys at their prices um, with that impact or that, that threat of Daryl Mack Jr. coming in? So, um, that is not taking place at all this year so far. 
and I think now the upside is back in a big way. Uh, Gabriel looks great, and his offense looks uh, super explosive week to week. So, uh, yeah, I think in general in this game, Tulsa, the Oak State game, the only game they've played, I think it's throwing the prices off a little bit. Uh, Oklahoma State, a little bit better defensively than probably expected, and they held them to seven points. So I don't think these prices are necessarily fair. Definitely Sam Crawford Jr., 3,900. That's a mistake. I think maybe him and Kohler, like I mentioned, probably my favorite building block pieces in this slate. Um, and then Tulsa in general, um, I think they're better than what they showed against Oklahoma State. And um, the other thing is, last week, I believe it was, in UCF, played East Carolina. Look, there's a lot of garbage touchdowns and yardage, but they still gave up over 450 yards to East Carolina and 28 points. So um, I have no doubt they're going to jump these guys and get ahead of them quickly, but Tulsa can move the ball a little bit. I think Zach Smith is competent. And so I think there's a lot of value on the Tulsa side as well. And if you wanted to stack a game and do that super flex at QB on both sides, I don't mind it right here. I really don't. I'm probably going to attempt one myself. So um, that's what I have to say about the Tulsa side. I talked about Daryl Mack not being really a factor anymore. And um, one thing to check again before this game is the status of Trey Nixon at wide receiver for UCF and Otis Anderson at running back. Anderson isn't available to play. I think the ceiling on Bentavious Thompson goes way up for this week, and he's at like 3,800, someone to definitely consider. And the one thing I've noticed about um, you know, Gabriel Davis leaving a big hole in that receiving core, who's going to fill it? And they have plenty of guys, but Jalen Robinson, when I was watching that game against Georgia Tech a few weeks ago, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? He was all over the place and looked great. Uh, he's a grad transfer. I forget where from, but... Uh, he's the real deal, and he's one of my best, probably my favorite value play on the board at receiver. Um, he should not be at like 5,200. He should be probably around the mid-6K range. So um, someone to target there. And we have two more games on the little mini board. And let's just keep it simple here. I discuss Auburn at Georgia. Uh, Georgia minus 7.5, over under 43.5. That gives us a like 25 to 18-ish game script. We're out. Uh, this is more of like an enjoyable, like real football game. Like we just watch it because we like football, not necessarily for DFS purposes. So the only guy I would consider on the Auburn side is Seth Williams at receiver. Um, I don't trust this backfield yet in the workload. If I had to pick one, DJ Williams, but again, I'm just avoiding this backfield. Um, even as, even whether it's a good matchup or not, but right now I just need to see it play out more. And um, on the other side. I got to see one week with JT Daniels at QB, who's expected to make his debut for Georgia, the graduate transfer from USC. Uh, I, don't, I don't think he's graduate. I think he's just a transfer, actually. Um, I need We need to see it, right? I, I just, we don't know. The quarterback situation was a disaster last week um, at Arkansas. And even though I like Zamir White at running back, I just don't think um, this is the week to do it at his price, and I think I can do better elsewhere. And the next final game is LSU at Vandy. LSU minus 21 over under 50. I think one thing I did get right, at least speculating on last week, was out on the LSU backfield. Very similar to my comments about Auburn's. I think this is going to take time to work itself out. It may never work itself out in terms of uh, some guy taking over as the clear lead back. So I'm going to continue not to pay for that. And um, I think we saw our first chance with Brennan, Miles Brennan at quarterback. And uh, the ceiling on the offense clearly is not going to be 
what it was. Not that anyone would expect it to be, but he's okay. And I think um, he just kind of lacks the athleticism that Joe Burrow did as well. And he, that, that kind of just, if it's not there in the first three to four seconds, uh, he's going to have some trouble. He was sacked seven times in that game. So um, it's just something to keep in mind. Again, he, I think he'll be fine and they'll do okay, but it's not going to be like the LSU of last year, and I wouldn't count on it. I don't have them in that bucket with Mississippi State, with uh, Bama, or maybe even Florida. I just don't have them in that big stackable bucket, at least not yet. For the receivers, Terrace Marshall Jr., the clear wide receiver one, coming off an 8-122-2 line in that first game. And uh, I, after him, Jare Jenkins was the possession intermediate guy that Brennan was looking to. He had a 585 line in that first game against Mississippi State. After that, I would prefer um, Eric Gilbert. He's the stud freshman at tight end or kind of wide receiver slash tight end, whatever you want to call it. I think he's around 5K. He had a 437 one line in the first game against Mississippi State. And look, he's just the explosive play guy, big, you know, very talented. And that's what I want to pay for in these slates is guys who I, I have a at least feel that they can only in a few touches they can do a lot of damage always looking for those guys in that range so uh gilbert my favorite play i like kayshawn butte but um need to see a little bit more from this receiving group and how they're going to work out with brennan to see uh to spend kind of i think he's around 4k so um, i need to see more here only guys i'm really interested other than um marshall jr are gilbert and jenkins that is the slate. Good luck to everyone out there. We'll see you next time.